It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Programme. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll A get through it. social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Now it doesn't show signs of stopping, and I brought some corn for popping. The lights are turned way down low. Let us know, let us know, let us know. Now when we finally kiss goodnight, how I'll hate going out in the storm. But if you really hold me tight, oh, the way home I'll be warm. The fire is slowly dying, and my dear, we're still goodbye. As long as you love me so, let us know, let us know, let us know. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and no, you haven't tuned into a Christmas throwback edition of the Tom Sumner program. It is, uh, however, um, the first time we've had big snow in this uh, part of the country, and the first time that weather like this has. Uh, um, impacted Texas the way it has, something like uh, the worst uh, weather conditions in a hundred years or something as far as temperature and snowfall and, and so on, and some three million people without power, mostly in Texas, although 30-some states have been affected by unseasonably uh, cold and snowy, icy weather. Um, it used to be kind of the norm here in Michigan uh, this time of year. Um it's kind of weird having a snow day when you're already 
staying at home, you know, working from home and in uh, avoiding uh, getting out and, and being around crowds and so on. But uh, our thoughts and prayers, of course, uh, to the people of Texas that are really, really struggling with uh, the weather conditions they're having and people that are having a tough time in other places where there have been tornadoes and so on. But it's Wednesday and we've got a lot more to talk about today than the weather that the fact that it's Wednesday means uh, armchair politics is coming up in about an hour for two hours of commentary and analysis about local, state, national news, headlines, current events, plus our quotes and uh, my favorite, the X-Files. Um, and we have uh, Politico Emeritus Woodrow Stanley joining our roundtable regulars, Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left and longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right. That's uh, Armchair Politics each and every Wednesday uh, during the second and third hour of the show, and uh, that'll be coming up shortly. But first, this hour, we're going to talk with, uh, it's been a while since he's been on the show, uh, Republican State Senator from uh, Frankenmuth, uh, Ken Horn, will be joining me uh, by phone. And we're going to talk about uh, some of the I don't know, some of the rhetoric and uh, strategies and, and fights, divides, if you will, um, between and within our political parties, the Democrats and the Republicans. And uh, I'm sure that that subject will come up today on Armchair Politics as well. It's been an interesting week so far, Valentine's Day on Sunday and then uh, Monday, of course, we did a special for uh, President's Day, and uh, yesterday celebrated Mardi Gras, and, and, and it felt like a celebration of Mardi Gras when we talked to Jason Berry from uh, New Orleans, although they're not, they didn't celebrate Mardi Gras this year the, the way they typically do. It was uh, kind of uh, a, a, an historic non-event, we'll say, but... Uh, but anyway, I hope you enjoy the show today, and I don't know, one of these days we're going to open the phone lines up and, and start just talking with people, have you tune in and call in and do that kind of thing. It'd be nice to get a little bit more interactive, but we do have a great show in store today, and uh, it's coming up in, in just a few seconds, so don't touch that dial, don't click that mouse, I'll be talking with... Um, Ken Horn coming up straight away. So stay tuned. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner program. I guess this hour is a Republican state senator from uh, Frankenmuth, Ken Horn. Ken, welcome to the show. Well, it's good to be back with you, Tom. Um, Ken, there's been a lot going on since the last time we we talked, and and I think uh, even when we talked then, because the pandemic has been going on so long, we talked about the governor's uh, response to the COVID nineteen uh, pandemic, and you had uh, some strong feelings that that she had gone too far in uh, in in her response. Um, and and since then, you've written extensively about the impact on restaurants. What are your thoughts now? Is is this um, 
is she abusing the existing powers, and does that justify changing those powers for future governors as well? Well, I'm not so sure that abuse is the right word, but she is overusing those powers through the department. And, you know, if I wrote a bill, and I am intending to, uh, to say that no department of the state of Michigan can unilaterally shut down the entire industry without due process, you know, and there's really been no presentable data to demonstrate why the restaurant industry has been shut down the way it has been three times in one year. And then when it's reopened, it's reopened at 25 percent. It's killing these, it's killing the restaurant industry. But more than that, it's killing hospitality industry altogether. I mean, retail shops that depend on you know, on tourists and visitors, hotels, spaces, everything has just been decimated. And so the entire industry, hospitality, tourism, travel, leisure, has been has taken the biggest hit on this when there's no demonstrable evidence that they're the problem. And so when you saw my, you know, my social media post, it, it showed, uh, I think, a Pew Trust study or Rasmussen or something yeah. uh, that, uh, that the number one cause of cases, number one industry, was nursing homes in Michigan. The number two uh, industry was a combination of construction and manufacturing, and number three was uh, medical uh, facilities, uh, generally speaking. And those top three, I'm not asking that anything more be done, but I'm asking what could be done if if restaurants were on the bottom of that very same list, right? I mean, if if restaurants were down, even if you consider them at at four percent of all cases when they were open, uh, what you shut this industry down at four percent, but a but those with a much higher percentage, what has been done to alleviate cases in those uh, in those uh, facilities, industries, and that's the real big question: is uh, what data are we using? And there is no uh, data that can be demonstrated. That's that's what I'm curious about, uh, Ken, because the um, you know we've we've seen media reports of events. Uh, Lansing uh, comes to mind when bars and restaurants open up, and then people crowd in not wearing masks and there's a spike in cases we've seen it on some college campuses as well and and then you know the governor reacts by shutting everything down again um how much of this is how much responsibility do you know just regular old people do the customers have for you know um trying to to social distance and wearing masks and and those kinds of things so that we're not shutting down restaurants and bars right and and that was that was one of the things that hey it was at some early january meeting when the governor was extending the the restaurant uh, indoor dining ban uh to you know to february again um that she said she didn't want another harper's in in east lansing to happen as the one uh, likely that you're referring that's, to that. That's that's a high in. profile one for sure. It it certainly was. And in my question then, a, 
uh, is and was, a, if you had 24 cases of food poisoning at a restaurant, what would the health department response be? Except to go in, uh, clean it up, find out what went wrong, fix things, find them, shut them down. Or close that them, one restaurant. Make an example of that one restaurant. You wouldn't shut down every restaurant in the state of Michigan, which is what happened. And you'll remember that it, at that time, when Harper's uh, had all those cases, you know, kids were, you know, dancing and sweating and on each other, amongst other things. Uh, you know, they had a DJ. They they admitted they, that they did all the wrong things. But at that time, when all the restaurants were closed, including those in the Upper Peninsula, there was only two hospitalizations for COVID in the entire Upper Peninsula. Yet every restaurant and bar had to close down because of Harper's. Because there was no other, there was no other reason to do that. There was a scorched earth policy, and so what we're asking is, give us the evidence, give us due process. Uh, Macomb County Restaurant Association is just forming. They have over 200 members and growing very fast. They're, they hope to hit 2,000 soon, and they are going to be suing uh, uh, the state of Michigan, my understanding, uh, for what they term takings. That means when you when you take my business away, you take my property away from me. Right. Uh, you've taken my livelihood. You owe me some money, and and so we do that through eminent domain, and, and so we'll see what kind of kind of case that they have. But it but it's pretty the restaurant side of it is pretty severe. Otherwise, I mean you know like the school sports, the, the winter sports, the parents all rallied together. There was thirty thousand mama bears out there that. Uh, they were fighting for their kids, and those kids made eloquent speeches and, you know, on the front lawn of the Capitol, on the Capitol steps. And coming together like that, that many thousand parents and students, athletes, made an impact as well. So it, it changed the, the trajectory of, of school sports. So it can be done. It just, the, the question is, you know, do we all have the wherewithal to, to get this going again? Well, restaurants, for example, can have jumped through a lot of restaurants, have jumped through a lot of hoops to try to accommodate um, using, having smaller capacity, um, you know, putting up uh, plastic shields in various places, separating booths and that, that sort of thing. Um, and, and they've gone through a lot of steps to try to accommodate and and operate safely and and yet as you point out over some specific examples they end up getting shut down whether they've been able to do it properly or not or and get the cooperation of their customers yeah i mean that's what we've been saying all along the you know we we jump through all these hoops we spend tens of thousands of dollars and and then you shut us down without any evidence that the shutdowns actually work you know, we've had restaurants, uh, you know, that have in pre- preparation for a second or a third opening after a shutdown have bought all of this inventory, only to throw it back into the dumpster again. You know, after they get a, you know, get notification of an extension of the van, indoor dining van. And so, you know, they shouldn't be, you know, forced to restock their dumpsters every time the governor gets, uh, gets a wild hair about this. More with Republican State Senator Ken Horn from Frankenmuth straight ahead. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Wearing a mask helps prevent the spread of COVID-19. Wear your mask correctly. Wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds before putting on your mask. Holding the ear loops or ties Make sure the mask covers your nose and mouth and secure it around your chin. Try to fit it snugly against the sides of your face. Make sure you can breathe easily and keep the mask on the entire time you're in public. To learn more, visit cdc.gov coronavirus. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. The Tom Sumner Program.com.
Tom Sumner Program.com This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with Republican State Senator Ken Horn from Frankenmuth straight ahead. The um, the other thing that's been getting a lot of attention, of course, is uh, the impeachment, the the second impeachment of uh, former President Donald Trump, and the attack on the Capitol. and And, and I'm curious what what your thoughts are because. There have been some Republicans in in both the House and in the Senate that jumped over to the other side and and joined Democrats in voting to impeach and then to convict. And the state parties have been censuring and and um, scolding their their party members for for not staying with the group. Um, What do you think when you see those things? Is there a a divide going on in the Republican Party, and and is it because of Donald Trump? Well, I'm not so sure that there's really a divide in the party. What you have are, are, you know, people that came into the party, and you look at some of our local county parties, you've got, you know, some of the old Tea Party folks. The Tea Party was never really, you know, a political party. You've got uh, you've got uh, the We the People group uh, from some years back. You've got the Libertarians that uh, join the you know their county parties and state parties, and and they come in and and they try to they try to project what they want onto the party, and and they and so they try to change the party instead of becoming Republicans. They want Republicans to change into what they are. So you have a pretty big tent. You've got a lot of different. Uh, opinions and ideas and attitudes out there. I try to I try to ignore that. I've never been much of a party person. I, you know, I still focus on you know, on the issues of the day. I'm working on on unemployment insurance, fraud, recovery. Uh, what are we going to do with uh, you know the uninsurance claim rates for for businesses that were forced to shut down? I, I'm working on, you know, education, on teacher evaluation, on what workforce uh, development, reconnect, and uh, going pro talent fund. I'm going to be working on Pure Michigan funding uh, coming up here. So these are the things that that kind of go through my mind during the week, and and I and I follow the you know, the impeachment on TV just like everybody else, but. It's, it's just one of my things. Well, I, I just wondered what your thoughts were, Ken. We've had so many conversations about uh, a variety of things, and you always seem so reasonable, and yet, um, you know, it, it seems that there's this just this divisive and hateful rhetoric that goes on between parties. And now we, we're even seeing it within parties. We've seen it with the Democrats and their progressive wing. And we've seen it with Republicans and, and the followers of uh, Donald Trump. And, you know, it, it, I, I, I'm just curious what, you know, what, reasonable Republicans think about what's going on 
in the party these days. Like, for example, here in Michigan, um, some of the comments that that the uh, Senate Republican leader, Mike Shirky, has made that's getting a lot of attention, um, mostly about uh, this notion that, that somehow this last election was fraudulent. Yeah, and I expressed my disappointment to the majority leader on that. But again, I, I'm focused on the task at hand in terms of policy. You know, but you're right. I mean, the, the Republicans and Democrats both have their their flaws and their uh, you know their divisions. You know, you know, for us, I mean, the impeachment trial will be will be behind us a couple three months down the road. Will anybody remember? that it happened you know the the question i asked oh, you know, I, I i think donald trump will yeah well he's, <laughs> he, he could be if he's just but he's made no decision whether or not he's going to run again or or what he what his where he's going to be three months from now and i don't have a crystal ball but i do ask my democrat friends you know who's the next jfk the next uh, john f kennedy kind of democrat and you know, and that's the division between the progressives and the and the moderates in the Democrat Party. Are there still blue dog Republicans or Democrats, rather? So these, so we all have our, you know, our like our issues that we have to deal with. And but in the meantime, you know, for you know, for Genesee County and for Saginaw, which I represent, uh, you know, we just gotta kind of put the blinders on and move forward. Well, it, it's it's troubling to most people, I think, to watch all of this uh, debate play out because it ends up being, you know, cancel culture, personality politics. It's all these things, but issues, Ken. Mm-hmm. And and that's one of the things that that I've always appreciated about you and our conversations is because you do want to talk about the issues. Mm-hmm. And you know, do you, are you comfortable with the way the election? went in 2020 well i'm not comfortable with it no i'm not comfortable well with it's it. hard to be comfortable then, with anything in 2020 it, because it of the just, pandemic it just, it just seems so ugly from inside now i i made my statement right after the certification of the presidential election here in michigan i you know i wrote a, a little piece and you know as you probably saw on facebook right after that and yeah. congratulated uh, president biden and you know, and, and I, I tell you what, you know, I made my statement early, took a few hits from the right side, of, you know, the most right side. But, you know, 15 minutes later, it was over and I, nobody really bugged me after that. It, and and I wonder why we don't see that happening with these uh, the, these Republicans. Um, oh, like the, uh, the senator from Louisiana. Um, I keep trying to think of his name. Um, but uh, he was censured by the state party for voting the way he, he voted. And he had telegraphed it ahead of time, said, I'm listening to the evidence and I'll go where I'm persuaded to go, which seems reasonable to me. Yeah. You know, I, you know, the, the thing is that, you know, from the very beginning of my first election in 1992, you know, I ran as Republican, as a proud Republican from Frankenmuth. And, you know, and that meant something back then. But it wasn't the it wasn't the party that you know that uh, got me elected. That was boots on the ground, my you know friends, relatives, and homemade you know campaign signs and 
knocking on every door in the district as a county commissioner than as a state rep. So, so you know, the, the party didn't make me, so I, I don't really worry about them, you know, whether they, they would censure me or not, and they haven't. But, you know, this is, this is life and, you know, in reality. Are people making too, uh, too big a thing out of um, this notion that, that you've got to be part of the party or you're out like what almost happened with uh, Liz Cheney? Yeah, I think my advice to freshman lawmakers is be yourself. You know, uh, sometimes we, you know, sometimes we allow that to happen to ourselves when you're, when you're new and with, you know, term limits the way they are. I've been around for long enough and, you know, and have, having owned a, a bar and dealing with, you know, customers, sometimes you'll get a little bit grouchy. You know, you learn how to deal with that. And, but if you kowtow it every time, then, then, then you get owned by it. And so, so sometimes, you know, they, you know, we get people call us up, I'm never voting Republican again, or I'm never voting Democrat again, because you're so spineless. And, and so they try to bully you into their opinions. And, and, and so I counsel my colleagues, you know, if someone's trying to bully you into their opinion and you stand up to them, it, isn't that demonstrating that you're not spineless? I mean, there's, there's always two ways to look at it. Yeah, that's true. And and the thing that, that I worry about, Ken, is not the people who say, I'll never vote Democratic again or I'll never vote Republican again. It's the people who say, I'll never vote again. Yeah, and that's that's sad. You know, and, and the question is, did they vote in the first place? You know, and, and how often did they do it? You know, if they if you only came on board for one person, but then you're never going to vote again. You know, democracy is hard. You know, it's a hard thing. <laughs> it and, is. And, you know, and sometimes you get disappointed and frustrated. You know, I have fourth graders who ask, me, well, what's the hardest part of your job? And I'm going, <laughs> I've done hard work before. Uh, there's really nothing hard about my job. But frustrating might be a, a better word. Sometimes it gets very frustrating. And it's that kind of politics that, that does it to me. Well, like, for example, this, this notion where Republican leadership is, um, I, I guess this is an awkward way to characterize it, Ken, but uh, holding COVID funding hostage over uh, the governor's uh, emergency powers. I, it, at least that's the way it's been characterized and, and reported. And, and it seems like... Uh, strategy is is more important than the goal yeah and but you know that that's the way it's been characterized i suppose if you don't watch the news uh you don't you don't get the same sense i you know as uh, people that you know that follow their own little you know news clips but uh but you think about it i was talking to school superintendents and they were talking about the same thing you know that uh they didn't want to see you know, the schools and kids, you know, used as hostages. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. But they, but the bottom line is that the, uh, when I talk to the, uh, the, well, the director of the, the um, uh, department head for Dr. Rice for the Department of Education, he says we need to spend millions more dollars on, on mental health, Right. So is that built into our, our school aid fund? 
should the school aid fund pay for that extra mental health because of COVID? You know, that everything we're hearing and the kids are... Well, you, you know, could say the same thing about lead poisoning in Flint. Yeah, exactly. And, and so our job is to find out where to find that money. And so it doesn't come out of the Department of Health and Human Services Fund, out of mental health dollars. It doesn't come out of school aid dollars. These are discussions that really have to take place. And you can't just throw money at something. Well, and why should state prisons be, uh, you know, being used to facilitate people that should be in mental health programs? Yeah, truly. And and I've talked about, you and I might have talked about this uh, a couple of years ago. You know, you find out where, you know, where some of these costs are are derived from and use those funds to, to fix it. But, you know, the governor wants $225 million for Main Street relief, right, Main Street. Uh, so she wants a small businesses to get a chunk of that, that CARES Act money or that new COVID money. $225 million, that seems like a lot. But what are you going to spend it on? Well, does it end up appeasing restaurants for having to be closed? Yeah, that's exactly what happens. You say, uh, you know, you're closed, and not all of you are going to get this money. Only certain ones that you know that apply on time, or, or if you if you have uh, uh, you fill out your application right, if your application is reviewed correctly. But out of you know sixty-five thousand small businesses, maybe ten percent of you are going to get money. Is that enough? And for the right reasons, are you, are we going to pay restaurants to stay closed? Or are we going to find you know, how to find dollars to keep them open. And so if you have, for example, a restaurant that has to open up, you got to re-inventory, but you don't have any cash because you have nobody walking through the doors. Well, you've got a big payroll and you've got to hire kitchen staff. So, you're, so you have to write a paycheck before you even get your first customer or you have back taxes. Right. We have back mortgages. You have back utility bills. Your unemployment insurance rate increases are going up. And perhaps you're going to be faced with a $15 an hour minimum wage when you reopen. We don't know all of these things. So what's that money going to be spent on, right? So so these, this is just part of negotiation. And, and so not really, there's no hostage taking. What are the, what are the things that, that we should be working on in Lansing and Washington um, uh, uh, that's been pushed aside because of COVID-19 and uh, and the impeachment and the election and, and all of the stuff that, that people have been concentrating on? Infrastructure, uh, yeah. workforce development. You know, I mean, getting people into steel trades, training them properly. You know, they, we are going to do a lot of that in Michigan. And, but, you know, roads and bridges and... and and uh, broadband, we found out, especially with you know kids being home and needing uh, needing remote learning. But we need broadband through the entire state. So, how do you deal with that? That's that's billions of dollars up to, and and so we're so we we've left some of that behind, and it's really been exaggerated because of the COVID thing. Does the legislature in um... Lansing or in Washington, for that matter, have the the discipline to um, to be able to 
take any economic recovery that comes post-pandemic and replenish the coffers, or will they just just continue to carry that debt forward? Well, it, that's going to be the big question. Uh, it was very disappointing to see uh, the, some of the uh, executive orders that were signed, putting 11,000 uh, folks out of work at the, at the Keystone Pipeline uh, was a bad start. Because if, if energy is our, is our real thing, you have to produce something and you have to sell it. And if you if you're not producing if you're not energy independent, and you're and or you're not making cars, you're not making airplanes because travel industry has been, been decimated. Uh, where does that money come from? And so income taxes and sales taxes. You know we've had sales tax uh, has been very good in Michigan, but because of online sales. So what happens to all the brick and mortar places that you know that line our main streets? And these are going to be real questions that are going to have to be answered, I think, as we as we move forward. Well, and and you bring up a good point, Ken, because I think a lot of people that have been forced to do their uh, shopping online—I uh, I mean, not you know, holiday shopping and grocery mm-hmm. shopping and you know, just everyday life shopping that didn't before are maybe going to be hooked on the convenience and they're going to carry that forward. This may be a much longer um, drought for some retail operations and maybe restaurants too. Yeah, you know what, and it's really nobody's fault. I couldn't blame the governor nor a president, the prior or the current, you know, for, for that. Because it is a lot about convenience. It was already beginning to happen. You know, so uh, indoor malls like, you know, you know, in, all throughout Genesee County and, and throughout the state of Michigan, uh, those indoor malls were suffering. You know, the big retailers like Sears and them are already going out of business because of online shopping. They just didn't keep up. And so what do we do with all of that? So we are going to change this as a society, and we're going to have to have rules that, you know, that uh, – make a difference as we move on into the future. But these little shops these little shops are going to be hard to come by. What can John Q. Public do to help uh, tamp down the, the vitriol rhetoric that has gone on, not just by politicians, but by people themselves? Uh, just keep tuning in to the Tom Sumner show and turn, <laughs> off, uh, turn off national news. Honestly, you know, it, you know, if it, you know, we get, you know, we get our sound bites and and our and sometimes angers and tempers flare, but Tom, this is just, you know, this is the part of me that is a person of faith, but I just believe that there's this bigger fight going on between good or good and evil around the world, you know, and I don't tell that to too many people except now I'm telling all your entire audience, um, but people are are in a rage sometimes and they don't even know why. Can't even explain it. You know, the road rage has gone up. I was listening to our, you know, our state police commander and talking about, you know, things happening in Michigan. Domestic violence is up. You know, this is all about being cooped up. There's more to it than that. There's this big worldwide anger that that we just don't understand. And so we just have to remember who's in charge. The man upstairs, and that that we put our lives into his hands, and and uh, and. Some of the 
human frailties that we have, we just have to kind of ignore. Yeah, but it, I, I think it gets, um, I, I think that message gets lost when zealots claim to be doing things in the name of God or Christ or Allah or whoever. Mm-hmm. Not really. You know, in, but that's been all throughout history. But right now, I mean, you ask, what can people do? I mean, there, we learn we learn sometimes the hard, way there, the hard way there are three things in this world that we cannot change. And that's people, places, and things. And we can only change ourselves. And so this morning, I, you know, with uh, about 18 inches of snow and a, and a snow drift, I declared uh, sidewalks for four of my neighbors and in a driveway for one of them. Because she, I've seen her out there with a shovel, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just want her out there today in this temperature. Oh, no so, kidding. Well, good so for you. you just, so you just help, you know, where you can and, and, try, and try to be kind to people. Because there's everybody that you meet at today or tomorrow that has some little battle going on that, that you just don't know about. So be kind. Well, Ken, I wish we had, uh, I wish we had more public servants like you well i appreciate that and you know it's just just something I, I i feel like i was called to do i'm almost done two years i'm you know i'm i'm ready to retire and it'll be 30 years elected office that's plenty for me and <laughs> just over somebody with some younger legs well ken thanks for spending some time uh with me I, i'm i'm sure you didn't mind sitting down for a little bit and not shoveling snow <laughs> and in, in between in between zoom calls and, and snow shoveling that's uh so I, I get out of breath shoveling snow and then i and i i have a hard time that keeps me a little quieter on the zoom call well i uh i appreciate you taking some time out and and spending it with me as always and i look forward to our next conversation thanks ken you bet thanks tom bye-bye Take, bye-bye that was uh, Ken Horn. He is uh, from Frankenmuth, a Republican state center, senator here in the uh, state of Michigan. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program.
We ain't even about to stretch. We got Big Greg. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Greg. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Greg. Big Greg. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. Separate yourself from others who live with you. Wear a mask to protect others. Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and clean your hands right away. Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. This includes things like towels and bedding. Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing or if you are worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. The Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. 
where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Tom Sumner, program.com. Tom Sumner, program.com. Listening to the Tom Sutner program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Senator, it is our pleasure to speak with you here tonight. As Republican minority leader in the Senate, your views on affairs of state and on the political scene are always in demand. Senator, what's new? Well, if I gave you a direct answer, it would be almost a prejudgment of an issue on which testimony is still to be taken. (laughs) Senator, your political flamboyance is such that when coupled with your flowery oratory, there are those among the opposing party who say that you are actually nothing but a buffoon. I do not disagree. (laughs) Senator, I wonder if we can get some insight on your colorful career. Well, I know of no reason why we shouldn't. Well, then, why did you decide to become a United States Senator? Because that was my first job after I got out of high school. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Mr. Van Voorhees. Now, Senator, not to bring up a sore point, but you did nominate Mr. Goldwater in Chicago, did you not? So to speak. <laughs> Senator, are you denying it? I think so. <laughs> well, regardless... What do you think Mr. Goldwater and Mr. Miller should do during the coming years? I think they can very usefully get a lot of indoctrination by going to any party county headquarters, stuffing envelopes, getting to see people, develop a poise uh, as they see candidates and others come in, uh, run errands and so forth, familiarize themselves with party organization and machinery, and then it becomes part of their nature and it makes for uh, a deftness in the political field. Senator, do you think the Republican Party will stage a comeback in 1968? I know of no reason why it should. In your own mind, do you see a candidate emerging for 1968? No, I don't. Well, then, where do you think the Republican candidate will come from in 1968? Out of the woodwork. Senator, how are the Democrats reacting to the news that Mr. Goldwater may step down as head of the Republican Party? They resent it, and they resent it bitterly. Continue the questioning now with Mr. St. Ledger. Senator, there's a move afoot to curtail the filibuster. I think I can say this. Excuse me, are my eyes deceiving me, or is that a naked girl sitting up there on the Senate balcony? I think one can say reasonably that this has occupied the attention of the Senate since the 9th of January. (laughs) 
Looking back, Senator, over your career, has there been one outstanding statement that you've made to your colleagues in your many years in the Senate? There has been. May I ask what it was? Little Tom Thumb pulled out a plum, as you know. conspicuous by your absence at the Washington Senator's opening game this year, an event which normally attracts the political leaders of both parties. Why was that? First, I had not been invited. Secondly, I, there was no hint that I would be invited. We, we understand. Third, I was not invited by anybody. Fourth, I would not go if I was invited. No, we, we understand. There were two reasons why I wouldn't go. It wasn't an important question, sir. My Senate duties here are taxing enough as it is, and they are continuous. I would not like to see the implication go out. Uh, we have been talking with the Senate Minority Leader. Uh, we're sure he has enjoyed it as much as we have. I don't think so. <laughs> this was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. I just had to look 
Notice I was late. Grab my coat, grab my hat, make the books and seconds flat. But I'm always says, and I had a smoke. Somebody spoke, and I went into a dream. Yeah. 
show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. It's time for the Tom Sumner program.